Chapter eighty one, part fourteen of the Adventures of Peregrine Pickle, volume two by Tobias Smollett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Memoirs of a Lady of Quality, part fourteen. But to return to my situation in Bond Street, I bore it as well as I could for the space of three months, during which I lived in the midst of spies who were employed to watch my conduct and underwent every mortification that malice, power, and folly could inflict. Nay, so ridiculous, so unreasonable was my tyrant in his spleen, that he declared he would even be jealous of Heidegger if there was no other man to incur his suspicion. He expected that I should spend my whole time with him tete-a-tete. -tete. When I sacrificed my enjoyment to these comfortable parties, he never failed to lay hold on some innocent expression of mine which he made the foundation of a quarrel and when i strove to avoid these disagreeable misinterpretations by reading or writing he incessantly teased and tormented me with the imputation of being peevish sullen and reserved harassed by this insufferable behaviour i communicated my case to dr s and his lady intimating that i neither could nor would expose myself any longer to such usage the doctor exhorted me to bear my fate with patience and mrs s was silent on the subject so that i still hesitated between staying and going when the doctor being one night at supper happened to have some words with my lord who was so violently transported with passion that i was actually afraid of going to bed with him and next morning, when he awakened, there was such an expression of frantic wildness in his countenance that I imagined he was actually distracted. This alarming circumstance confirmed me in my resolution of decamping, and I accordingly moved my quarters to a house in Sackville Street, where I had lodged when I was a widow. From thence I sent a message to the Duke of L., desiring that he would make my lord acquainted with the place of my abode, my reasons for removing, and my intention to defend myself against all his attempts. The first night of this separation I went to bed by myself, with as much pleasure as a man would feel in going to bed with his mistress whom he had long solicited in vain, so rejoiced was I to be delivered from my obnoxious bedfellow. From these lodgings I soon moved to Brook Street, where I had not long enjoyed the sweets of my escape when I was importuned to return by a new steward whom my lord had engaged in the room of H. This gentleman, who bore a very fair character, made such judicious representations, and behaved so candidly in the discharge of his function, that I agreed he should act as umpire in the difference betwixt us and once more a reconciliation was effected. Though his lordship began to be dissatisfied even before the execution of our agreement. In consequence of which, he attended me to Bath, where I went for the benefit of my health, which was not a little impaired. This accommodation had a surprising effect upon my lover, who, notwithstanding his repeated declarations, that no woman should ever gain such an ascendancy over his heart as to be able to give him pain, suffered all the agonies of disappointed love when he now found himself deprived of the opportunities of seeing me, and behaved very differently from what he had imagined he should. His words and actions were desperate. One of his expressions to me was, 
It is like twisting my heart-strings and tearing it out of my body. Indeed, I never should have acted this part had I foreseen what he would have suffered. But I protest I believed him when he said otherwise, so much that his declaration on that subject was the occasion of my giving him up, and it was now too late to retract. In our expedition to Bath, I was accompanied by a very agreeable young lady, with whom I passed my time very happily amid the diversions of the place, which screened me in a good measure from the vexatious society of my hopeful partner. From this place we repaired to his seat in the country, where we spent a few months, and thence returned again to our house in Bond Street. Here, while I was confined to my bed by illness, it was supposed my indisposition was no other than a private lying in though I was under the roof with my lord, and attended by his servants. While the distemper continued, my lord, to do him justice, behaved with all imaginable tenderness and care, and his concern on these occasions I have already mentioned as a strange inconsistency in his disposition. If his actions were at all accountable, I should think he took pains to fret me into a fever first, in order to manifest his love and humanity afterwards. When I recovered my strength and spirits, I went abroad, saw company, and should have been easy had he been contented. But as my satisfaction increased, his good humor decayed, and he banished from his house one by one all the people whose conversation could have made my life agreeable. I often expostulated with him on his malignant behavior, protesting my desire of living peaceably with him, and begging he would not lay me under the necessity of changing my measures. He was deaf to all my remonstrances, though I warned him more than once of the event, persisted in his maxims of persecution, and after repeated quarrels I again left his house fully determined to suffer all sorts of extremity rather than subject myself to the tyranny of his disposition." This year was productive of one fatal event, which I felt with the utmost sensibility of sorrow, and I shall always remember with regret. I mean the death of Mr. B., with whom I had constantly maintained an intimate correspondence since the first commencement of our acquaintance. He was one of the most valuable men, and promised to be one of the brightest ornaments that this or any other age had produced. I enjoyed his friendship without reserve and such was the confidence he reposed in my integrity from long experience of my truth, that he often said he would believe my bare assertion, even though it should contradict the evidence of his own senses. These being the terms upon which we lived, it is not to be supposed that I bore the loss of him without repining. Indeed, my grief was unspeakable, and though the edge of it be now smoothed by the lenient hand of time, I shall never cease to cherish his memory with the most tender remembrance. During the last period of my living with my lord, I had agreed to the expediency of obtaining an act of Parliament, which would enable him to pay his debts, on which occasion there was a necessity of cancelling a deed that subsisted between us, relating to a separate maintenance to which on certain provisions I was entitled, and this was to be set aside so far as it interfered with the above-mentioned scheme, while the rest of it should remain in force. When this affair was about to be transacted, 
my lord very generously insisted upon my concurrence in annulling the whole settlement and when i refused to comply with this demand because this was the sole resource i had against his ill usage he would not proceed in the execution of his plan though by dropping it he hurt nobody but himself and he accused me of having receded from my word after i had drawn him into considerable expense this imputation of breaking my word which i defy the whole of the world to prove i ever did incensed me the more as i myself had proposed the scheme for his service although i knew the accomplishment of it would endanger the validity of my own settlement and my indignation was still more augmented by the behaviour of mr g who had always professed a regard for my interest and upon my last accommodation with my lord undertaken to effect a reconciliation between my father and me but when he was questioned about the particulars of this difference and desired to declare whether his lordship or i was to blame he declined the office of arbitrator refused to be explicit upon the subject and by certain shrewd hums and haws signified his disapprobation of my conduct yet this very man when i imparted to him in my confidence my intention of making another retreat and frankly asked his opinion of my design seemed to acquiesce in the justice of it in these remarkable words madam if i thought or had hopes of my lord growing better i would down on my knees to desire you to stay but as i have not i say nothing if he connived at my conduct in this particular why should he disapprove of it when all i asked was but common justice but he was a dependent and therefore i excuse his phlegmatic not to call it unfriendly behaviour indeed he could not be too cautious of giving offence to his lordship who sometimes made him feel the effects of that wrath which other people had kindled particularly in consequence of a small adventure which happened about this very period of time a very agreeable sprightly good-natured young man a near relation of my lord happening to be at our house one evening when there was a fire in the neighbourhood we agreed to go and sup at the tavern in famille and having spent the evening with great mirth and good humour this young gentleman who was naturally facetious in taking his leave saluted us all round my lord who had before entertained some jealousy of his kinsman was very much provoked by this trifling incident but very prudently suppressed his displeasure till he returned to his own house where his rage cooperating with the champagne he had drunk inflamed him to such a degree of resolution that he sprang upon the innocent g and collared him with great fury though he was altogether unconcerned in the cause of his indignation this extravagant and frantic behaviour added to other grievances under which i laboured hastened my resolution of leaving him and he to this day blames his relation as the immediate cause of my escape whereas he ought to place it to the account of his own madness and indiscretion when i retired to park street he cautioned all my tradesmen not even excepting my baker against giving me credit assuring them that he would not pay any debts i should contract and the difficulties to which i was reduced in consequence of this charitable declaration together with the reflection of what i had suffered and might undergo from the caprice and barbarity of his disposition affected my health so much that i was again taken ill and my life thought in danger my constitution however got the better of my distemper 
and I was ordered into the country by my physicians for the benefit of the air, so that I found myself under the necessity of keeping two houses when I was little able to support one, and set up my chariot because I could not defray the expense of a hackney-coach, for I had as much credit given me as I asked for, notwithstanding my lord's orders to the contrary. Having recruited my spirits in the country, I returned to town and was visited by my friends who never forsook me in adversity, and in the summer removed to a house in Essex, where I lived a few months in great tranquillity, unmolested by my tyrant, who sometimes gave me a whole year's respite. Here I used to ride and drive by turns, as my humor dictated, with horses which were lent me, and I had the company of my lover and another gentleman, who was a very agreeable companion, and of singular service to me in the sequel. At last, my lord having received intelligence of the place of my abode, and his tormenting humor recurring, he set out for my habitation, and in the morning appeared in his coach and six, attended by Mr. G. and another person, whom he had engaged for the purpose, with several domestics armed. I immediately shut up my doors at his approach, and refused him admittance, which he endeavored to obtain by a succession of prayers and threats. But I was deaf to both, and resolved to hold out to the last. Seeing me determined, he began his attack, and his servants actually forced their way into the house, upon which I retreated upstairs, and fortified myself in my apartment, which the assailants stormed with such fury that the door began to give way, and I retired into another room. Whilst I remained in this post, Mr. G. demanded a parley, in which he begged I would favor my lord with an interview, otherwise he knew not what might be the consequence. To this remonstrance I replied that I was not disposed to comply with his request, and though their design should be murder, I was not at all afraid of death. Upon this declaration they renewed their attacks, which they carried on with indifferent success till the afternoon when my lord, as if he had been at play, sent a formal message to me desiring that all hostilities should cease till after both parties should have dined. At the same time my own servants came for instructions, and I ordered them to let him have everything which he should call for, as far as the house could afford. He did not fail to make use of this permission, but sitting down with his companions, ate at my dinner without hesitation, after he had paid me the compliment of desiring to know what he should send up to my apartment. Far from having any stomach to partake of his meal, I sat solitary upon my bed in a state of melancholy expectation, having fastened the door of the outward room for my security, while I kept my chamber open for the convenience of air, the weather being excessively hot. His lordship, having indulged his appetite, resumed his attempt, and all of a sudden I heard a noise in the next room, upon which I started up, and perceiving that he had got into my antechamber by the help of a bench that stood under the window, I flung to the door of my room, which I locked with great expedition, and opening another that communicated with the staircase, ran out of the house through a crowd of more than a hundred people whom this fray had gathered together. Being universally beloved in the neighborhood and respected by my lord's servants, I passed among them untouched, and took refuge in a neighboring cottage, while his lordship bawled and roared for assistance, being afraid to come out as he had gone in. 
without waiting for his deliberations i changed clothes with the poor woman who had given me shelter and in her blue apron and straw hat sallied out into the fields intending to seek protection in the house of a gentleman not far off though i was utterly ignorant of the road that led me to it however it was my good fortune to meet with a farmer who undertook to conduct me to the place otherwise i should have missed my way and in all probability lain in the fields for by this time it was eight o'clock at night under the direction of this guide i traversed hedges and ditches for i would not venture to travel in the highway lest i should fall into the hands of my pursuer and after i had actually tumbled into the mire and walked six or seven long miles by the help of a good spirit which never failed me on such occasions i arrived at the place and rung the bell at the garden gate for admittance seeing my figure which was very uncouth together with my draggled condition they denied me entrance but when they understood who i was immediately opened the door and i was hospitably entertained after having been the subject of mirth on account of my dress and adventure End of chapter 81 part 14